You're listening to the Creekside Church Sunday morning message. Stay tuned for a sermon from Pastor George. Thank you, Pastor Christina. Well, good morning, everyone. We got sound. Hey, uh, there are a few people I want to say hi to online. Uh, And before we make any noise, uh, I want to say hi to Ryan and Wale. Uh, We're with you. We're praying for you. uh, And I hope we know that God has uh, all of this in his hands. Uh, Brady, it's kind of weird saying hi to you online uh, and not over here. Okay. Uh, Jeff, you're watching with us. Sealanders, uh, they're watching from Florida. Uh, uh, Eric Johnson, uh, Peggy Johnson watching. Hannah, good morning. Uh, my mom is watching from rain-soaked Nevada, and glad to have her with us. And who else? TJ, you're watching with. Uh, uh, you're watching us online. Uh, Michelle, have hope. Is she from San Diego area? All right. See, I remember random useless things. Okay. I just need to remember the important things. Clinton Gale Beers, you're with us. The reason I'm doing this is because we are having a together service, one service. And, uh, you know, we, we, I just want people to know when you join us online, we would love to have you here with us in person, but we're super blessed and honored that you are taking the time to tune in with us. Castro family, I know you're watching and we're praying for this week coming up. Uh, Can we let those online know that we love them by looking at that center camera, waving and making some noise? That was the old, uh, we're getting tri-tip and you're not. Sorry. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) But you got our love. You got to show up for tri-tip. Uh, we're kicking off a new series today, and there's no better time to kick off this new series than when we're all together uh, in one service. And I love that we get to do this a few times a year, um, especially, especially uh, in, in, in our current state, uh, in our world today. Our, I, I think our world is so divisive, uh, polarizing. I was watching the news this morning. I don't recommend doing that before church. But they were talking about uh, on uh, CBS, the morning show, uh, all about how divided our world is. And, and, and they were pretty much equating it to even, you know, in the 1800s, it was pretty divided then. But this is what struck me, how people, um, you know, they're so polarized in their opinions and their beliefs and their uh, politics. And, you know, it, it's becoming rare or it's becoming you know, uh, more prevalent that if you don't believe the same way I do, you are my enemy. And I just think that's wrong. And it it got me thinking that in a world that is so divisive, I believe God's church, the bride of Christ, We need to lead the way in unity, love, what it means to love one another, and how we relate to one another. Because if it's true that the local church is the hope of the world, I think we have to get this right. And instead of bringing a lot of the world into the church, which is, it it happens, 
I mean, if, if, if you've noticed, there's been a, a kind of a degradation of de- 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 degrading. What's it? Help me out. Of how we treat people in authority. How many people have you heard just rip our president to shreds because it's not their president? Or people will have opinions and, uh, about the church. And I thought, man, there's no better time than today to really talk through what it means to be part of a church. What, and then take out the word church. I mean, what it means to be part of the bride of Christ. Kind of gives it a, a different perspective, doesn't it? We are the bride of Christ. We are his. Remember, when we accepted him, we didn't go come into my life. We surrendered our life to our Lord. So today, we're, we're starting a, a series called I Love My Church. And the objective of this series over the next four weeks, we're going to look into what it means to really love the church. Really love the church. And we're going to learn that loving the church means, you ready for this? Loving people. I know it's shocking to some of us. Here's what I know. There are different places, there are different locations, there are different buildings that we eventually have to visit. That we have to visit. I'm not talking about Disneyland. I'm not talking about Disney World. And that's where the Sealanders moved. They want to be right next to Disney World. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know Palm Springs in, in the winter. Or things like that. I'm talking about places we have to visit. Those are places we want to visit. Those are want to places. I'm talking about places that we need to go just because of the course of our life. School. We need to go to school. For example, the bank. We needed to go, we need to go to the bank. Various necessary places that we have to go are going to invoke a variety of responses in us. I mean, we feel different about going to the the mall compared to, say, going to the dentist, right? And I want to talk about a few of those today. I'm going to put an image up on the screen in a minute, and I want you to say the first word. This is participatory. It's not rhetorical. I want you to say the first word that comes to your mind about how people typically feel or how you feel regarding having to go to one of these places, one of these locations. Just give me a word, okay? Just give me a word. Just give me one word. How about this one? (laughs) That wasn't even a word. Give me a word. Dread. Dread. Anger. A- anger. Despair. 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 Frustration. Frustration. Misery. Scott, what'd you say? Nap time. Nap time. 
That's a phrase, but a good one. Purgatory. I've always said, I've always said, if, if you don't believe in a literal hell, go to DMV. Or Arizona in the summer. No offense, Hannah. Expensive. Okay. Those are one word descriptions of how you feel about that one. How about this one? <laughs> Broke. What's that? I can't hear you. Wow. What? That, we didn't say give me the slogan. How, what kind of emotion does this invoke in one word to you? Worry. How, for me, anxiety. I got white coat anxiety. Anybody else? Huh? Oh, healthy. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, you see where I'm going? How about this one? The dentist. One word. Give me your... Expensive. What's that? Only when you get the Snoopy nose. Anybody else? I mean, come on. Who... Who wakes up going, oh, five days until I get my, my fillings filled. Can't wait for that root canal. Pain. You know what, Patty? You work in a dentist office. You don't count. All right, how about this one? This one with DMV is one of my personal hells. It's too people-y. You can't find a parking spot. Now I'm just giving opinions. I'm going to shut up. Crowded. Give me, give me one word that describes your experience. Pizza. What's that? Busy. This is not anxiety-inducing to anybody. To be fair, I had a picture that is worse than this. This picture got changed by the person I asked because it was like crowded, people outside, craziness. But it probably didn't fit on the screen, so they changed it. I don't know anybody in my sphere of influence that loves going to Costco. So here's the bottom line. Out of those four images, out of those four images, the overall consensus is not many of them uh, have rave reviews. Some worse than others, but in all three of them, you can see that we go to these places mostly because we have to go. We don't want to go. We what? Have to go. Not necessarily because we want to. And if you listen to all of the words that everybody said, no one said out of any of those pictures, with the exception of some, you know, joyful feelings that Costco brought up, <laughs> which I have no idea why. Out of all of those pictures, no one said, man, DMV, I love that place. <laughs> but occasionally you hear somebody go, I love Costco. I mean, who doesn't like free samples and a free massage? That's a date night for some. 
You occasionally hear someone going, I love Costco, if, if a comparison is being made to other places. And the same for the doctor's office is possible. But if anyone ever says they love going to the DMV, we have a prayer team for you waiting, <laughs> waiting to pray, waiting and willing to lay some hands on you. And we are going to exercise that demon. Now, I wonder, now that we kind of, you know, went through all these pictures and evoked some emotion in us, I wonder what people would say if we put up a picture of our church on the screen. Now, I, I don't want anybody to say anything out loud, but I, I want us to think about this for a second. Think, really think about this for a second. Think about it honestly. Do we think about the church? Do we think about church in the same way we think about going to the DMV or the doctor's office or the dentist's office or even Costco? Is, is this just a place we feel we have to go? Or is there more to this? Is there more to church? I mean, think about the people who aren't here with us today, or maybe people who haven't stepped into a church for a long time. This is my dance break. Maybe someone who hasn't stepped into church in a long time, or maybe someone's not here because there, there's been some hurt. And I'd be willing to guess that some of them would even describe coming to church like we describe going to the DMV. And, and based on their experiences, they wouldn't be far off from the truth. Is that what God intended the church to be? Is that what God intended and created the church for? Was that his idea of community? About community, you know, in this place with his people? And I believe that the Bible tells us the answer is no. I don't think that this wasn't what God intended or planned for the church. I believe that God wants us to love the church. He equated the church to the bride of Christ. How many husbands would say, you know what? I married you because I had to, to your wife. I believe that God wants us to love the church, not, not, not love what we hear about the church or what we see in the news about the church or read about the church sometimes, or maybe even experienced in the church in the past, but love the church as he intended it to be. That's what this series is going to be about. My hope is that we fall in love with the church like never before, that we learn to be the community that God intended us to be. That's why it's such a great kickoff point is when we're all together, that God intended this place to be. I don't know if you know this or not, but God uh, assigned us a mission. He gave us a blueprint on how to walk out and accomplish his assignment for this place in our community. 
And it's three simple words. It's gather, grow, and go. It's gather together unto Christ. That's why we call this a a, a together service. It's to grow together in Christ. And it's to go out in our community with the message of Jesus for Christ. Gather unto Christ, grow in Christ, and go for Christ. And that is a derivative, a summary of Matthew before Jesus left. And he says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Gather, grow, and go. Now, before we jump into this, I'd like to pray and ask God to speak to our hearts from his word, especially after seeing that picture of the DMV. Father, we come before you and we stand before you with open ears and a stretched heart. We ask that you take your rightful place in our life as Lord of our life. And Father, we surrender this time to you. This is your time. We are your people. And I pray that your truth permeates our life and takes root, Father. And that we leave here differently than the way we came in because we've We're a little bit closer to loving the church the way you intended us to do. Thank you for this time. Thank you for all these people that we've gathered or that have gathered here to seek you, to pursue you, and to be in your presence. In Jesus' name. And the church said? So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 13. We're going to go to verses 34 and 35. If you don't have your Bible, we got the big Bible in the sky for you. Uh, It says this. So now I'm giving you a new command, Jesus says. He says to do what? Say it with me. Love each other. Love each other. Man, I am so tempted to make all of you introverts uncomfortable by having you turn to your neighbor and say, I get to love you. I wouldn't want to do that, so I'm, going to a- I'm not going to ask you to do that. So now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. Ooh. Just as I have loved you, love each other. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let me give you a little context on this. This verse is a prelude to the church to come. The church, will, it starts in the book of Acts, but here we find Jesus meeting with his disciples, telling them how his followers should be known, not by their Christian you know, music that they play, not by listening to Caleb, not by the t-shirts that they wear, not by the Bible verses they post on Facebook. Telling them how his followers should be known and, and what the reputation will be of this community. That is being created, that God is creating. They will be a people known for their love, not their opinion, their love, not their politics, their love. Church people are meant to love one another to love one another. It's not optional. It's not an elective. It's not if you feel like it. It's not if somebody scratches your back first or loves you first. It's a commandment. And it's not just a commandment, but it's a commandment from our Lord, Jesus Christ. 
We are to love one another. But what does that mean? Fair question. What does it mean to really love one another? When we say we want to love the church as God intended it and, and uh, you know, uh, the church to be and for us to be, what does it mean to really love? Chris and uh, my wife, we love to go to a restaurant. It's a restaurant you may have heard of. It's a restaurant in Walnut Creek. Um, it's called Roos Chris. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Hey, is that where our tide money is going? No. <laughs> it's not. We go once or twice a year on special occasions. Uh, somehow, I just said this to her the other day. Somehow, we always have a gift certificate to go there. But truth be told, full transparency, when we do go, it's usually for their happy hour. And I don't know if you've ever been there for a happy hour, but we go there for happy hour solely for this purpose. They have a $9 sirloin hamburger. That hurt, I know, huh? <laughs> you've been there too. And we usually split it. And this thing is the most buttery, well-seasoned, hamburger we've ever had in our life. It is, and now some of you are going, that's a note we're taking right there. <laughs> Roos Chris, happy hour. Fleming ha Fleming's has something similar, but Roos Chris is, is better. And it's only for around nine bucks. So, hey. Fact is, uh, my wife and I, we love hamburgers. Now, she thinks Five Guys is a really good hamburger. Raise your hand if you think Five Guys <laughs> I tell her five guys reminds me of the hamburger I used to get for two bucks at Concord Athletic League, the, the baseball fields when I was 12. I am, I am an in and out guy. Yes. But we're hamburger people, and we had the most amazing prime sirloin burger at this happy hour uh, to, compared to anywhere else we have been. Anywhere else. My wife loved it as well. She loved it so much. We talked about how good that hamburger was, not for, you know, an hour afterwards, not for days, but weeks after we had this hamburger. That's how good this hamburger was. And as a matter of fact, I think we were, I don't know who we were hanging out with, but you just mentioned it's somebody else. And we haven't had it in like a year. She's still talking about it. That's how good this hamburger was. And a couple of times we even got our meal comp because it helps when you're the general manager is your next door neighbor. <laughs> Listen, we, we talked about this hamburger on the way home. We talked to him. We, we both decided that Roos Chris happy hour was going to be one of our new favorite spots. Why? Because we loved it. It was pretty awesome. I love Roos Chris. I mean, come on, somebody, who, who doesn't? I mean, if you've ever been there, you know. Also, speaking of love, a few years back, a number of years back, somebody gave my daughter an oversized, it was kind of like this horse unicorn thing. Uh, you know, it stood about this tall, about that wide. I don't know if it was for Christmas or her birthday. And it was really the size of one of those small, you know, horses that you see online sometimes. Those mini horses. It was white and it had plush and, it, you know, it, was it had a rainbow tail and a rainbow horn. It was, a, it, it was good size. 
And this was back in the day when I would run three, four times a week. Uh, we lived by the Iron Horse Trail and we had run there. And on this particular day, I had a great idea. I said, hey, Munch, how would you like to, that's why I call my daughter, this is her nickname, Munchkin. How would you like to ride your bike with me while I run? Because, you know, she was into riding her bike and she thought it was a great idea and she went to go change. And when I came out, or I went to go change in, into my running clothes, when I came out, she was in our backyard and what she was doing is she was taking this horse-sized unicorn, trying to bungee or tie it onto her bike. <laughs> and then she said, Dad, will you, will you help me get this together? Because I, I, want to, I want it to look like that I'm riding this unicorn while I'm riding my bike. <laughs> Do you remember that much? I said, and, and then I'm looking at her going, how can I resist, right? So I did just that and I looked and it looked like she was riding a unicorn only with pedals coming out the side. And we had a great time laughing. I mean, it was hilarious. I wish I had a picture of it. Running and, and she was riding and we we're on the trail and, you know, but mostly laughing, you know, uh, about it. But then tucking her, you know, her, we used to tuck her into bed at night. And I asked her if she had fun. And she said, I did. It was super fun. I had, I had a blast at it, especially when we passed a Boy Scout troop that, that was jogging on the same path. And, and they thought that was, I mean, they were like, oh man, that's the most awesome thing I've ever seen. And then she said, I love you, dad. And I said, I love you too, Munch. And then she went to bed. See, I love my daughter. So what do we mean when we say, I love my church? What are we really saying? What does it mean to love one another? Does Jesus want us to love one, other, one another like I loved my experience at Ruth Chris? Or does he want us to love the church like I love my daughter? See, with, the re with Ruth Chris at the restaurant, the reality was I was experiencing something that was given to me. I was experiencing a place that was offering me something. The restaurant was feeding me and it provided a moment in which I could participate. I mean, if the experience itself was an excellent one, what, what would I do? I would, I would go on Yelp and I would, I would rate it and I would give it a positive review online and recommend it to others. My wife still talks about it. If it was the opposite type of experience and it was just horrible, what would we do? Well, we wouldn't return and we would also tell people how bad it was. With my daughter, what's the difference? I was experiencing something way more important. I was experiencing relationship. My daughter is someone I am intrinsically connected with. My love for my daughter isn't based on what I'm receiving or what I'm experiencing, but based on who she is and what is involved in our relationship. Are you tracking with me? Because I love her, I care for her, I play with her, we go through life together, and that journey might bring about some not so great moments. Come on, anybody raising a teenager? It's not always great experiences, but here's the deal 
we worked through them and we're much better because we did. See, I don't rate my daughter on Yelp. I know some parents want to. Dude, don't. I'm, I'm giving you two stars today. You didn't clean your room. Although that would be pretty neat to explain. Mean, I, mean, I, I wonder how that would change. Yeah. I don't, I don't rate my daughter because I love her. I love her. See, the church was never meant to be like a restaurant. The church was never meant to be like a restaurant. It's meant to be based on relationships. Now, I, I want to ease, again, the introvert's anxiety in the room. You don't have to be in relationship with all 300 people. You have to be in relationship with everybody. But it's based on relationships. And this begins first and foremost in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. And through that, we are connected to one another. That is the common bond. Jesus, Jesus loves us. Jesus brings us into relationship with himself. His death on the cross was an act of love for us. Earlier in John, we're told it was because God loved us so much. God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us. That we might have authentic, uh, meaningful, real life. See, he intentionally loved us. And if you read in the New Testament, it says God first loved us. And Jesus didn't come to be served, but he showed up on the scene to serve. In being brought into that relationship, we, we aren't only brought into a relationship with Jesus, but also into relationships with one another. Being in a relationship with Jesus mean, means being part of a church, being part of a community, part of his kingdom, part of his family of faith. Here's the problem. If we're being completely honest, many of us treat church like a restaurant. We treat church like a restaurant. If the experience isn't just what we want, if, if, if the, the word isn't in the style that we prefer, or let me bring it a little bit home, kind of more restaurant-y. If the meal that is prepared for Sunday morning isn't to our liking, if the, muse, the worship music isn't contemporary enough or old school enough, if the volume's too loud or too soft, if it's too cold or too warm, see, we're, we're, you're starting to get the picture that we kind of treat this place like a restaurant, don't we? I mean, look, half of our seating are tables. <laughs> if it's not to our liking, what do we do? We find somewhere else to go that is closer to our liking or we don't go at all. And this is so unfortunate. This sets up expectations for the church that it was never intended to fulfill. 
Also, we have to be honest here. That isn't relationship focused. That is self-focused. I don't care how you couch it spiritually. When you go to the preference side, you're thinking about yourself. That's not loving as Jesus loved. That's loving, you know, that, that, what that is, is that's loving others as I see fit. How I want to love them. How I'm comfortable with loving them. And for that it's really for my own gain. The church isn't supposed to be like that. And I believe you'll experience a love for the church when you intentionally, intentionally make decisions to put your preferences, my preferences, over, you know, uh, kick those to the curb and be about, God, what did you call me? What's my purpose in this place? You'll experience a love for the church when you, when you intentionally love the church. You'll have a deep sense of love for the church when you actively and intentionally practice love for the church. Let's be more vocal about what God is doing in this place than how cold it is. By the way, is the temp okay for everybody? It's set at 70, I think. The opposite is also true. When you do not intentionally love the church, then you will not experience a love for the church. And I think ultimately we will love the church when it's about relationship and we, don't, and we stop treating it like a restaurant. So what does it look like when we intentionally love the church? To be in community with one another as God intended for us to be. Well, that's where the rest of this series is going. That's what the rest of this series is about. And I just want to give you a quick overview of what we'll be looking at. We're going to be looking at loving one another because that's ultimately what about love the that loving the church means loving one another. We're going to be loving one another by connecting with one another. Being in community, in fellowship, in relationship with one another. With each other, is, it's, it's more than knowing people's names where they, you know, sit on Sunday morning. Oh, I always sit, you know, geographic location is by that guy or that person. That's where I sit every week. May not know his name, may not know her name, but I sit right there. We love one another when we stand alongside one another. Being connected with one another is ensuring that no one stands alone. We're going to love one another by serving. God has given each of his followers unique gifting, supernaturally empowered abilities to encourage and help one another. And not just within our community of faith, but out there in the world. Did you know that every single one of us has supernatural powers? Superpowers. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks coming. We're going to love one another by giving. Yes, we're going to talk about giving. Probably not in the way that you would expect either. 
In fact, we won't talk about tithing or percentages at all. We won't even try any ill-planned guilt trips to get you to give. We'll simply talk about giving as an indicator of love. And then we're going to talk about love, love, loving one another by sharing the love that Jesus gives us and that we can have for one another isn't to be hoarded within these walls. The love that we have for one another is also meant to show our community what the love of Jesus Christ really looks like. And if we're not sharing the love of God with our words and our deeds, then we're not, truly, we're, not, we're not truly loving the church. We're not truly loving. And we'll talk about that as well. So have the worship team come up. So here's what I want you to do. I want to invite you to stick around with us for the next few weeks. I know some of us are here because Jesus had a hard time getting you into church, but barbecue tri-tip did the trick. <laughs> ah, that joke never gets old. But no, I want to encourage you, stick around with us for a few weeks. Stick around with us with an, open, with an open mind and an open heart as we look at various ways that you and I can intentionally love the church as we see what God, you know, love the church in the way God intended us for us to love one another and love this church and this community of faith. Now, if you're with us here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I invite you to stick around as well because the truth, if truth be told, some of you have had negative experiences in church. Some of you had neg negative experiences with the church in the past. And for that, I, I got to say that I am truly sorry. No church is perfect. It's ran by imperfect people trying to follow a perfect God. But I want you to know that whatever you experienced isn't what God intended. But what did he intend? It's a great question. I, I want to invite you to stick around and be with us for a few weeks to learn about this. What the church is supposed to look like. There are two things I want to challenge you to do as we close our time. The first thing is I want you to look for opportunities. Let people know that you love your church. Let people know that you love this church. I, I don't know if you guys notice this, but everyone on stage were wearing these shirts that say, uh, Kirksd. I love my church. Actually, that's kind of a contemporary hip way of saying Creekside, I guess. But on the back, what's it say? Love runs deep. And underneath that it says, our purpose is people. Let somebody know that you love your church. I mean, I envision these t-shirts as a conversation starter. 
right? I mean, it's a tool. Think about it like this. We see someone wearing a, a concert t-shirt of our favorite band, and what do you do? Instantly, if it's not a teenager wearing like an ACDC shirt or something like that, because typically you go, you don't even know a song that they sing. But if you're over in a certain age and you, and you see that shirt, you instantly strike up a conversation. It becomes an instant opportunity to make a new friend. You see someone out and about with a concert team and you're like, hey, you ask him where he got it and how was their experience and then you want to share all about your experience going to that same concert. The reality is strangers that you normally would never talk to, you'll strike up a conversation with, with because they're wearing the jersey of your favorite sports team. I mean, think about this, people. Things that have no eternal anything. But when it comes to your church and what God is doing in your church, think about the conversations that will come out as part of, of wearing this shirt. I need a t-shirt gun. <laughs> Think about the conversations. <laughs> I hope you're as excited about wearing it as you were catching it. Think about the conversations and think, I mean, wear this shirt and, and pray when you wake up and you put it on. Pray for God to give you opportunities to talk about people when they when see you with this shirt on, that people would ask you about it, that, you know, inquire which church you go to, wonder why you love your church. And just so you know, if, I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. In a minute, I'm gonna release you. And uh, if you walk out those doors, we have a number of shirts available that you can take for free. Well, one a person. Don't, don't load up your week's wardrobe with these shirts. We have small through whatever. You can find out there's a table set up where you can go get your I Love My Church t-shirt. They don't cost anything. Just take one. And if we run out of them, we'll print some more and have them next week. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to wear them out there. I want you to wear them on Sundays when, throughout this series when you come to church. When you have these conversations, let us know. Email us. Say, here, I was wearing this and I had this. Take a picture of you with your shirt on. Let's make Jesus go viral over the next month. If you're watching online, you're not excluded from this. Send Monique, Monique at Creekside.org, your email or at mailing address. We'll get you a shirt too, no matter where you are. If you're watching online and you know you can very well be here, you get yours here. Also, the second thing I want to challenge you with today is start or connect with others in a Creekside small group. Groups that meet throughout the week, they're kicking off soon. I, I want to encourage you and challenge you to jump in. 
get connected with people, incredible growth opportunities, connection opportunities, and answers to the questions that you've been asking can be found in the context of these small groups where groups of people are coming together in such a way. We have more information about small groups over there and more is gonna be coming out. Listen, friends, this is gonna be an exciting journey. This is gonna be, and I'm excited that we're able to go through this and kick this off together today. Get your shirt. Make sure you join us next week and stop texting me those who are watching online right now. Ken Perry. Make sure you join us next week and do this, do this. Invite a friend. Invite someone to come with you. If you don't know anybody, invite someone you know, and then you'll know somebody. (laughs) Invite a friend to join you. And we have special surprises planned throughout this series. It's not gonna be, I mean, you're gonna, there's gonna be some twists and turns. So listen, thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us the time. Uh, We're gonna sing one more song in closing.